excited about the series that we started last Sunday, talking about going the distance. But one thing we discovered last week is that we can give you all the tools that are needed, but you need to implement them into your life. We've got good at getting the priority and realizing, well, you know, I need to put my wife first. I need to have this. I need, but then we fail to implement it. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to change your perspective on marriage by giving you the biblical principles with the hope that you can go the distance. Today I want to begin with an illustration. I read this illustration. It's a really great one. A professor stood up in his class and he put a glass jar on the top of his lectern. And he looked at every student in his class and said, if you don't get anything else from this course... I hope that you will get this. And what he proceeded to do was he proceeded to put rocks into the jar, one after the other. That one's too big. I'll put that one on the top. said to Nancy, watch me drop these and smash the jar. After placing all the rocks that was able to fit into the jar... He asked his students a simple question. He said, is the jar now full? Most of the students in the class answered, yes. Not much room for anything. Then from beneath his lectern, he pulled out some sand. And he began to pour the sand in around the rocks. And as the sand went in around the rocks, it began to fill all the space and all the place to which, when it got to the top, he asked his students once again the same question. Is the jar... It's almost full, sorry. Whoops. Is the jar now full? Most of the students, after being found out wrong the first time, hesitated and didn't say much. To which he said, you're smart. But he asked them once more, is the jar now full? As from the bottom, he pulled out a jug of water and he began to pour the water into the jar. And as he poured and as the water seeped down, He asked them one more time, now is the jar full? Let me ask you, is the jar full now? Yes, it is. 
He then turned to his class and he said, this jar is a lot like each one of our lives. But what do you think the moral is to this illustration? Kids all over the room began to put up their hand. He pointed to one and one young man said, the moral I think of the story is this. You can always squeeze more into your life if you really want to try. We've got masters at doing that. And the professor smiled and he says, no. He said, can I tell you today the moral of the story? And here's the moral of the story. Are you ready? The moral of the story is this. No matter how hard you try, you'll never be able to squeeze the big rocks in unless you put them in first. Let me say that one more time. No matter how hard you try, you'll never be able to squeeze the big rocks in unless you put them in first. It always amazes me how many people think that when they get married, everything's just going to fall completely into place. That when they get married and they say those magical words, I do, bam, everything completely changes. Miraculously, he changes. Miraculously, she changes. Things are just absolutely incredible. Can I tell you today that marriage is not a problem solver? But marriage many times can be a problem multiplier. You've gone quiet on me today. It's not a problem solver. Oh, we just get married and everything will work out. A lot of the times, if the big rocks aren't in place at the beginning, no matter how hard you try, your life is filled up with so much other stuff that it doesn't solve the problems, but yet the problems seem to become multiplied. If it's not right before, don't convince yourself or fool yourself into thinking it's going to be better later. Today I want to talk about the big rocks. Last week we looked at a very important principle and that was things in order. That we needed to get things in the proper order and that was God needs to be first. On Wednesday night, we talked about us, a new day for us, how we can go through life living in, in, in shame, living in deception, that we can live in the past and how we've got to shake those things in order to achieve or to receive and to succeed in a marriage that will go the distance. And today we want to talk about putting the big rocks, those things that are the most important, those vital things, because if we don't watch, we'll fill our life to the brim with everything else leaving no room for the things which are the most important. And if we don't put what matters the most in first, the lesser priorities will take up all the necessary room. And that is so true, unfortunately, in our marriage and in our relationships. We've got to realize good things don't just happen. That's fairy tales and they lived happily ever after. Come on, help me out in this place today. I mean, good things don't, you don't just wake up and good things happen. You have to sow seeds. And as a result of the good seeds, guess what? Good things begin to happen. If you go to bed at night and you have a fight with your wife or husband, guess what? You're not going to wake up in the morning and good things are going to happen. Do I hear an amen? 
Why? Because good things don't just happen. They have to be placed in place by you. Didn't say your spouse. Our hope is that they're going to work with it too. But you've got to place the proper priorities of life into your life before you allow your life to be cluttered up and filled up with everything else. Because mark my words today, there'll be a day when you will wish that you had the priorities in place instead of all the wasted stuff and energies that you have filled your life, your marriage and your home with. For a marriage to go the distance, it requires that we put the right rocks in place And then we build our relationship around that. The sure foundation. And then we build upon it. Today I want to talk about some rocks that I believe we need to put into our lives. Now you may say again today, well Pastor P, I'm not married. Well guess what? No better place to get it right than before. It's no better time to learn than right now when you don't have to redo those things. You know, it's so much harder to reprogram something than what it is to program something. You've got the advantage that you can place the proper things in order so that when life comes and all the stuff of life comes, guess what? It can be all around you, but you know what? No matter how much it fills up your life, the priorities are already in place. So I want to give you some rocks today. I believe the first two rocks we're going to give you today are absolutely vital. They are non-negotiable. That means you can choose not to have them, but there is no life in your home, in your marriage, and in your relationship if you don't have these rocks. Rock number one. Read it out with me. Rock number one is God. God has to be first. Say that with me. God first. Come on, say it like you mean it today. God first. As important as this rock is, I don't want to spend too much time here because we talked in great depth on this last weekend. But our number one of our lives, our life is not complete when we find our spouse or find that perfect girl or that perfect guy or when I find that one. Our pursuit of our lives is going after the one. But what we discovered last week, we're not looking for the one of our lives. We're looking for the two of our lives because the one has to be God. Do I hear an amen? And the problem is when we put other people on top of the number one priority. I've said this many times. I don't think God should be number one on your list. Why would you say that, Pastor P? You said God first. God is my number one priority. Because when he's on the list, that means he can be moved around on the list. I believe God is the title. He's above the list. He should be the given of our lives. Because when we start putting him on the list, we have the tendency to move him around and shift him. But God has to be first. Look what it says in Matthew 6, verse 33. It says, seek ye first God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what it says? And all these things shall be added unto you. Come on, I smile when I read stuff like that. I smile, you smile. Come on, I got some of your younger ones right there. That was a bit of a Justin Bieber right there. 
But I smile when I read stuff like that. Feel sorry for me. I've got four girls in the house. I mean, Brittany, Maddie and Hannah are just diehard Justin Bieber fans. Posters all. I'm only playing. I'm only playing. But I smile when I read scriptures like that for this reason. If I put God first, you know what the promise is to me? All. You know, I'm not much of a language scholar, but in the Greek, all means. In the Hebrew, all means. So guess what? In the English, all means. It's pretty easy right there. The Bible says if I put God first, then everything else is going to fall in its place. What does it say then? All things will be added to my life. If I'm going to take the word of God literally, is what we need to read it literally for our lives, then if I put God first, things are going to be added to my life. So let me say this. If God is not first, then things are going to be subtracted, taken, removed from my life. Order matters when it comes to God. We've got to pay attention to what matters the most so we can enjoy and have total fulfillment in what comes next. Because when God's first, there is complete joy and fulfillment with what can then follow. Without him first, what comes next will never quite work. And that includes our relationships, our marriages, our careers. The list can go on and on and on. If God is not first, there's going to be problems afterwards. So rock number one. God. Ready for rock number two? Come on, say it with me. My spouse. Your spouse next after God is the number one priority, the next big rock that needs to be present in your life. Outside of God, there is no greater priority than your spouse. Genesis 2 verse 24 says these words, For this reason a man shall leave his father and the mother and shall be joined to his wife or shall be united to his wife and they shall become one flesh. What we've just read there is leave and cleave. Say that with me. Leave and cleave. It's not that you stop obeying and honoring your parents. It's not that you don't respect or love them any longer, but the Bible tells us we leave our parents and now our responsibilities completely change. They are now to each other. The Hebrew word for leave is azap. Probably killing the pronunciation of it, but it's up there. Pronounce it how you may. And it means, or one of the meanings is, to loosen or relinquish. Therefore, we are to, as the Bible says, leave. We are to loosen our focus on our parents, any other person and any other priority. And now we are to cleave to our new priority, which is our spouse. You know, one of the words translated for cleave is this, to stick to. Come on, that sounds like fun right there, doesn't it? That we can stick together. That we can stay together. That we are to leave and we are to cleave. We're to loosen our focus changes. That now our number one priority outside of God, of course, is now the rock of our spouse. That which we stick to. 
A lot of people say, well, that's how I live. But the problem is that's how you live with your mouth. That's not how you live with your life. I've got to say that one more time because you're looking at me crazy. That's what you say you live by with your mouth. That's the words you say. But how many knows there's a lot of words that are spoken and are not backed up with the right action. That's called being a what? Thank you very much. That's called a hypocrite. Wearing a mask, a disguise, trying to be something that you are not. God doesn't want us to live hypocritical, but when we put him first, and we put our spouse next, our lives can begin to flow as a result of that. But come on, let's be honest today, because after all, we are in church. It's not always easy to prioritize our spouse, is it? I've got two people who have been honest in the house. Our older call is going to be fantastic today with all the heathens in the house. Come on, I said, let's be honest. It's not always easy to make our spouse and even God the greatest priorities of our life. Rock number one, God first. Rock number two, Jesus. I mean, my spouse. You know why it's not easy to put our spouse as a priority sometimes in our life? We guard ourselves from the bad things, but so many times we don't watch for the good things. What can often affect us prioritizing our spouse is not the bad things. They do, but hopefully we realize those kind of bad things. I mean, let's talk about those bad things for a moment. I mean, pride is not going to be any good in your life. Come on, when you start getting selfish, when you start letting anger rule in your life, when you get in debt and when there's unforgiveness and and then you have an affair or he has an affair, pornography is involved, addictions are involved, abuse, neglect. Come on, the list of bad things that can take our priority away from our spouse are endless and hopefully we realize they're bad things and we don't want to do those in our lives. And again, as I said earlier, please note this. Perhaps if you don't get anything else from my message, hear this today. Little problems before marriage eventually result in big problems in marriage. But say with me today, good things. Good things. I want to talk today just quickly about how good things can often take the priority away from what should be the second most important thing in our life, and that is our spouse. I'm going to give you five good things today. Good thing number one, our children. I believe children are one of the greatest blessings that we can have from God. The Bible says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Come on, I'm blessed. I've got five kids. Hope and Dale have got me beat. And you can stay ahead. Thank you very much. But one of the greatest blessings that God can give us is our children. But watch, please. As great of a blessing they are, they should never take the place of our one, which is God, and our two, which is our spouse. Now, before you shoot me down, because I know what some of you are thinking, what kind of gospel is this that he is preaching? Yes, our children are important. They should be one of the most important things of our lives. But you and I will never do them any favours when we make them the number one rock instead of God or we make them the number two rock instead of our 
spouse. And that's why we have the problems many times in relationships as we do. To raise an insecure child is to raise them in a home where you have neglected your marriage. Each of you is growing distant apart. There's fighting, there's arguing all the time. And now those children are living in a world that you've tried to create security in by prioritizing them. But now they are living in a world where daily they fear the fact our mum and dad are going to be divorced. And is our marriage going to stay together? Our home going to stay together? You know, they say that 85% of children that go through a divorce blame themselves for their parents' separation. That's alarming statistics there. 85% of kids carry the burden that they were to blame for what happened in the home. How many would say that's not raising someone who's secure? That's definite insecurities that are things that they've got to battle through. But when you put things in proper order, God and your spats, and they see that at work in the home, it produces great security and stability. As they see you honour God at all times, as they see the love that you have for each other, how they see your commitment and affection to each other, how they see you pray together, how they see you communicate. Are you getting the picture of this kind of home that has the right priorities? And you know what? That kind of home is going to produce security for them, stability for them and a great future. They're important, but not the most important. We've got a joke in our family, and that is this. Kelly and I oftentimes will be driving down the street, and I'll say, sweetheart, just give me a kiss. And she'll lean over and give me a kiss, and all the kids in the back start screaming out. What do you start screaming at? Child abuse. Child abuse. And Kelly and I always tell them, let me tell you something. This is one of the greatest things that you can see is your mum and dad loving each other, showing affection for each other and showing how important they are. Come on, the kids have got to see that your God is the most important. Then your spouse comes next. Here's another one that is a good thing but can come in the way of our priorities and that's our friends and friendships. Thank God for friends. I've got some great friends. But as important as friends are, they've still got to be in the proper order. A friendship or a friend should never take the place of your spouse. Why? Because problems happen when you begin to confide in a friend as a substitute for your spouse. Especially if it's the opposite sex, then major problems begin to happen. So watch out for the good thing of friendship that it's not taking the priority over your spouse. Here's the third one. Your job, your education or your career. Of course, these are good things. If we don't have a job, an education or a career, how can we provide for our families? How can we have a happy home? How can we have that dream house with the white picket fence and the little dog? We can't have those things. So to succeed here is important to be able to provide and to be able to live. And it's the right thing for us to pursue. But not in the wrong order. I've heard a lot of people say this when it comes to their family, when the wife or the husband, mostly the wife, complains she never sees her husband because he's working all the time. And here's what I've heard so many times. I'm working hard right now to provide for my family. I'm doing this because I love them and I want to show them that. But one day, soon, hopefully, I'm going to slow down and things will change. 
Say with me this. One day never comes. One day never comes. That's another line from the fairy tales that someday my prince will come and sweep me away. We look and we've got the best intentions and we say we're working hard and we're doing all these things. But one day I'm not going to do this. You know what will come though? The regret. As you look back at the time you wasted. I read an article this week from the Guardian newspaper in London, England. And it was a lazy lady who had been at the deathbed, I believe, of over 450 people as they had said their last words before they slipped off into eternity. And this lady wrote an article of the top five regrets that she had heard people say in their last breath. The top regret was that I wished I'd lived my life for me instead of living my life for everyone else. But you know what the second top regret was? I wished I hadn't worked so hard. I wished I hadn't put work and things ahead of that which was the most important in my life. Number four good thing is sports and hobbies. Great to have sports. I love sports. I love playing sports. Our kids are in sports. All these kind of things. They're not wrong to, it's not wrong to have interests. It's not wrong to have habits, habits or to be involved in sporting activities. But it does become wrong. When we put it above God and we put it above our spouse. Listen to me right now. That's the sand and the water around but it's not the rocks. It's not the rocks. Let me give you one more good thing, and you're going to be shocked by this church. Come on, say it with me, church. No, not, you didn't say it right. You said church. I said church. Thank you. What church? Yes, church. Obviously, I hope everyone in you, of you in here today realizes that church is a good thing. And hopefully that's why you're here today, because you know it's a good thing, and it's going to help make you a good thing. Do I hear an amen? But to place... And to be, it's a place to build your family into, not to divide your family as a result of. Good is not always God. Do I hear an amen? Especially when it's taken out of order. Are you saying, Philip, we shouldn't be in church? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is church still needs to be in its rightful order. All these good things. Listen to me, there's going to be seasons that we're all going to go through in our life. Like when it talks to work and careers, there's going to be times we're going to have to work harder. There's going to be times we're away from our home as we're trying to provide. Come on, there's going to be seasons like that that we're going to require more of our priorities, time and energies. But guess what? We can endure it and we can make it through those times if we know it's not going to become a way of life. Think about that. If your priorities are out of whack, you can survive for a while. You'll hobble along. You'll pretend that things are going to get better, but they won't unless you make a change. And I'm going to say this today. If you don't start making a change, a change is going to be made for you. And you're probably not going to like that change. Priority one, God. Priority two, your spouse. You know, one thing I've realized, and that is this, I've got to practice my priorities. There's a cliche out there, and it's not really a cliche, it's really true, but practice makes, we kind of reel that off, but it's so true. We've got to start practicing our priorities. That means we've got to start working on our priorities. Come on, nudge your spouse and say he's preaching right now. 
Right, that was three of you did that. I mean, come on, help me out in the place. We've got to start practicing our priorities, working on those things. You know what else we've got to do to our priorities? We've got to protect our priorities. Practice and protect. It's amazing how many other things can easily just kind of weed their way in so subtly. That's why it's often good to have those priorities and we know what they are in place before we are faced with the situation so we can say, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Distractions, options, opportunities and temptations, they fly at us from every direction. But if we keep our lives and marriages in proper order, can I read you what God's word promises from Psalms 91? Listen to this scripture. It says, 10,000 may fall at your right side or a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes will you look and see the reward of the wicked. I love this promise. No matter what's going on around you, God says it does not have to come near your dwelling place. It does not have have to come between you and your spouse, your relationship with God. Come on, no matter what's going on around you, come on, help me out in this place. It doesn't have to be part of our lives. It doesn't have to be accepted in our home. It can be around us, but we've got to make sure it will never get between us. You ready for rock number three? It's a good one. You ready for this one? What's this say on this rock? Passion. Come on, you've got to say it like passion. You can't just fly through a word like passion and just roll it off your tongue. You've got to just let it, you've just got to feel a word like that. Come on, let feel passion with me. Come on, passion. Come on, right there. Come on, one more time. Passion. Come on, I know what some of your spouses are thinking. That's the most passion you've shown for me for six months that I just heard right there. There is still passion inside of you. But you know what? It's very important because it's not only passion, it's the pursuit of passion that we need in our lives. I think passion is a vital part of a relationship. I said, I think passion is a major rock that we need to have in place. Because passion speaks of what? Having a strong feeling towards your spouse. Having a love for them. Come on, in the pursuit of passion, some of us have done some crazy stuff. Come on, let's just move on quickly. Let's not stay there. But unfortunately, you know what tends to happen? We tend to pursue each other before marriage and then stop when we get married. In marriage, it seems like the passion tends to cool down and sometimes it's sub-zero temperatures. It becomes easy to fall into a routine with each other. Come on, I'm giving you some truths that's going to help you go the distance today. It's easy to fall into a routine. It's easy to begin to settle. It's easy to stop pursuing each other, to stop going after each other's heart, to stop trying to win each other's love and respect, to stop trying to be the most important person to your spouse. Let's look at some men quickly, can we? Let's look at men quickly, the nature of a man. And ladies, you'll be pleased to hear, we're going to talk about men next week. We're going to talk about men next week. How many thinks that men need some talking to? Fantastic. Well, make sure your husband's here and make sure you're here taking notes. Let's talk about the nature of a man. You know what? 
wires or how a man is wired. Here's how a man is wired. And may I add this? He's wired this way by God. Not to make an excuse, but to just to draw attention to the fact that he is different to a woman. God created male and female. Said this many times before, not by default, but by divine design. God made us that way for a purpose. So most men are goal-orientated. That means, therefore, they see a goal or they set a goal, they go after it, they conquer it, and then next. They look for another goal. Look for something else to go after. Therefore, when we realize the nature of us, we've got to watch that this doesn't also become true in our marriage and in our relationship. Hopefully it never becomes the fact that you no longer love her. But in his mind, he already has won her in his heart. And now he's looking for the next goal or to win something else. Listen to me, guys. Important truth you need to grab a hold of today. Without active, continued pursuit, what has been won can be lost. I'm going to say that one more time. And I know the ladies are taking notes right now, I can see. Without active, continued pursuit, what has been one can, and I'm going to throw this in here, and will be lost. Guys, daily we need to look at ways that we can pursue our wives. It doesn't end when we get married. It should just be the beginning. I said it should just be the beginning. Every day. Next week we're going to be giving out gifts for Valentine's Day. And one of the gifts we're going to give to all the married couples in here, we're going to give you a beautiful picture frame. And inside of it, it says, I love you because, and it's going to be behind the glass. And we're going to give you all a dry erase marker. And I want you to put that somewhere in the house. And when, guys, you leave in the morning, I love you because, I want you to write a message on that glass. And when you get home, your spouse is going to erase that and she's going to write a message to you. And you're just going to be proper little writers and you're going to be pursuers. And your marriages are going to be better than they have ever been before. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You got to pursue and continue to pursue. Come on, ladies, am I telling the truth today? Come on, how many ladies want to be pursued in here? Come on, put up your hands. Come on, guys, if someone beside you's put up your hand, that's probably your wife, so you need to pay attention. Let's talk about the ladies which is a little bit more complicated. Did I just say that out loud? I'm sorry. I, 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 just, I don't know where that came from. But the week after we talk about the guys, we're going to look at the ladies and we're going to try and figure them out. So how many knows that we need to be praying for pastor with that message? Something about ladies is completely different to men. Ladies are usually not the pursuers. Ladies are usually not the pursuers. Now, I have to be honest with you right now. In our relationship, that was not cool. I mean, Kelly drove me crazy. She wouldn't leave me alone. I mean, I, I, I'm only playing with you. I'm only playing. But guys, I hear that Kayla maybe was a little bit like that. So there you go. Hi, Kayla. Kayla will tell you a story afterwards. And Jimmy's saying amen. But girls usually aren't the pursuers, but they're the ones that live to try and actively attract 
the man. Come on, ladies, you know what it takes. Too well, too many times. You know what it takes to catch our attention. Ladies, you know the games. You know those hard-to-get games. And playing those hard-to-get games, which to a guy just ups the stakes. Come on, is anyone with me in the house today? So here's the picture that we've got from men and women, and that is this. Guys pursue and they love the chase. And gods or girls invite him to pursue and they love to be chased. Then marriage comes along and bam, the romance, the pursuit, the thoughtfulness vanishes and it's all gone. And guess what happens when pursuit is gone? Passion dies. Passion dies. Earlier I read this scripture from Genesis 2 verse 24, but I want to read it again, just this time slightly different. Because I have changed the meaning or taken different or the a different meaning of the words that we read. And this is how this verse could also be written. It says, a man will leave his father and mother and passionately Pursue his wife for the rest of his life. That's the leave and cleave again. I like how that sounds. A man will leave his father and mother and passionately pursue his wife for the rest of his life. That to me sounds like a marriage that's going to go the distance. Do I hear an amen? That's putting the big rocks in place. That we must have in our marriages. Passion in a marriage is likely to fizzle out unless you actively and intentionally nurture it. If you don't take care of your spouse, I'm telling you right now, the grass is going to start looking greener somewhere else. We preached a whole series on this and one of the parts of the series we focused in on this. It's amazing how the grass is going to start looking greener elsewhere. There's going to be someone else that will appreciate you. There's going to be someone else who's going to listen to you. There's going to be someone else that's pursuing after that which you need in your life. Come on, I want to tell you this and I want you to hear this today. If the grass is greener somewhere else, it's time you start watering your own lawn. You can blame everyone else you want. And can I tell you about greener grass somewhere else? The grass is usually greener over the septic tank. And the greener the grass, the more maintenance it requires. Instead of complaining about what's going on around, ask yourself what's going on within. Because if the grass is looking greener somewhere else, it's because you are neglecting your own lawn, which is your marriage, which is your relationship, which is what? Your third most important or your second most important priority. Your spouse, your spouse, your spouse. A marriage without passion and pursuit is going to be disastrous. You know what a marriage without pursuit and passion is? Two people cohabitating together. Roommates, that's at best. But a marriage without passion and pursuit is going to also be a marriage of affairs, hurt, separation and divorce. 
Why? Because that's what's going to happen if there is not passion in your home. I realize today time is gone, but how many will give me just a couple more minutes? Who's going to give me a couple more minutes? That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Right, that's 35 minutes. Thank you very much. <laughs> There's a great story of passion and pursuit in the Bible. It's the story of Jacob and Rachel. But he got Leah. He got Leah. Seven years, the Bible says, that one day Jacob looked at this woman. He absolutely fell head and over heels in love with her. And he said to her father Laban, I will work seven years for Rachel. Seven years he loved and pursued after her. Listen to this scripture. Ladies, this is just going to make you melt. I'm telling you. Genesis 29, 20. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. And all the lady says, ah. Oh. And then all the lady says, where have all the Jacobs gone? <laughs> but it seemed as just moments because he loved her so much. But on the day he was to be given his bride, he was tricked. And instead he was given Leah. To make a long story short, he struck up another deal with Laban. And Laban agreed to give him Rachel, but in turn, he still had to work seven more years. Listen to me today. Jacob continued to work for her even after he had he worked seven years to get her, was tricked. He made an agreement. He was eventually given her, but he had still seven. You know what most of us would have done? We would have taken Rachel and ran. But for seven more years, he still worked for her, even after he had her. What an incredible thought. What an action we need to actively engage in. Come on, guys. We need to continue to pursue our wives. When we follow through and pursue, great things will happen. And I've got to say this. It's not just the guys that need to pursue their wives. Wives, remember those things that attracted the pursuit? The way that you got us to follow after you, the things, come on. We need to have some of those being entered into the game too. That together we can pursue, together we can love, together we can let passion. How many believes that passion should have died the day you said, I do? That should have been the beginning of passion. I mean, that's the beginning of passion and it's not the end. But it's the beginning We've got to follow through. We've got to pursue because when we follow through and pursue, guess what? Great things will happen. When God is number one, when our spouse is number two, and we start putting other rocks after that like passion in place. And next on Wednesday night, we're going to talk about another rock and that's the rock of intimacy and the importance of having intimacy in our relationships. You need to be here Wednesday. You need to hear that. But as I close today, I want to give you a story. A young couple were in a restaurant and they were eating. 
As they were eating, they looked at grandma and grandpa over in the corner. Grandma and grandpa walked into the restaurant holding hands. Grandma and grandpa were looking in each other's eyes and they were smiling. There was such bliss and happiness. He pulls out his chair. He lets her sit down. He gives her a kiss on the cheek. He goes around. He reaches over the table. They're holding hands. They're looking at each other. There is a spark. They've got that look in their eyes. As this young couple sat observing them throughout the whole night as they got up to leave the table. They asked this couple in their 70s, how long have you been married? And they both looked and smiled and said, we've been married 51 years. The young couple asked, what's your secret? What's your secret? And the wife, taking her eyes off her husband for a few seconds, looked at the young couple and said, He loves me just like we were, when we were dating, but only 51 years deeper. Let me say that one more time. He loves me just like when we were dating, only 51 years Deeper. Come on, who wants that testimony in your home? Come on, who wants to go the distance and see God bless your home? I'm telling you right now, the pursuit never ends. And neither should it. If we want a marriage that goes the distance, we've got to be willing to put the right rocks in before we fill our lives up with everything else. Because it's hard to put passion into a marriage if it hasn't been a priority. It's almost impossible to put God into a marriage if a marriage hasn't been built upon him. And our spouse, there's no room because everything else has become more important. The big rocks are the most important. I said the big rocks are the most important. The sand and the water is what society and the world will flood in around you. But the rocks have to be placed by you. Let me say that one more time. Society is the sand and the water, the busyness, the culture, whatever you want to label it, is the sand and the water that will filter its way all around our lives. But the big rocks have to be placed there by you. You. And there's no greater way than the rocks to be placed. Kelly, come up here with me a second, please. There's no greater way from the rocks to be placed than when together what happens. Hold that. Put your hands together. As together, what happens? We begin to hold those rocks together. Because there's a whole lot more we can hold when we're together than when we're trying to do it on our own. God says the two shall become one. As we leave and cleave, as our focus of priorities change, and now God is number one, our spouse is number two. Passion, intimacy, love, all these other rocks then are placed 
in their rightful place. Would you bow your heads with me today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.